1: Let's begin.
0: Good to have you with us, everybody. It is Monday, September 14th, 2020. If you did not get a chance to go listen to the podcast that we broadcast on Labor Day, I had my old friend CJ DeSantis on. We're talking about a really interesting article that got published, so love to get your feedback on that. Also, then we played the last Ainsworth Advisor August podcast. Summation of the comments about what we think you can view the industry as. Very interesting comments. There's one comment from Joe Muren that was really interesting, and I encourage you to go listen to that podcast from last week if you didn't listen to it, if you haven't already done so. We're so thrilled to have you as our listener. Again, this podcast is created by Mortgage Professionals. It is for mortgage professionals. And we honor all the CMBs listening to here. And I'm stressing that just a little bit because of our guest just getting her CMB. I'm so excited about that. I'm about to get mine. I hope. Fingers crossed. Anyway, we're grateful to have you as our listener. Again, our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime, anywhere. A lot of people keep asking me, are you really going to do a video? Yes, we are. Just uh, had some delays here. My wife broke her shoulder. Man, it's amazing how when your your life partner goes down, <laughs> it's a challenge. But anyway, our hot topic today is one that should be near and dear to everybody. We're talking about specifically the earning levels of what's going on with IMBs. Housing Wire published an article that said that IMBs nearly tripled their net Gain per loan in the second quarter. This came out of the MBA research department headed up by Marina Walsh. She's vice president, industry analysis, and many of us think she's like our favorite analyst out there because she always delivers the news with a smile whether it be good or otherwise so we're excited to have her and joining me on this podcast will be les parker as well as all the regulars and we're going to be asking marina a bunch of great questions and we're going to be focusing in on earnings what's driving this and so can't wait for her to be on here and again the best news is marina just is the latest CMB to join the ranks of CMBs. There are many of them out there. Alice, Les, Andy is already a CMB, and Alice is a master CMB, so how about that? Anyway. So good to have her with us, Uh, Marina, and we'll have her join us on the Hot topic. so stay tuned all the way through. We're thrilled to be a part of the Industry Syndicate, so check out all the podcasts at IndustrySyndicate.com, as well as a part of MortgageMedia.com. Special shout out to all our listeners. There's so many listeners are writing us right now with how much this podcast means to them, how much this is helping them. I'm thrilled particularly I want to focus on those that are new to the industry, how they're finding this podcast being one that is helping them grow and accelerate. The MBA's got some great programs through the MBA educational department Uh, Jeff Schumer heads that up, and so we're thrilled to have that. But we're a free resource that's out there to help you grow in the industry. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America. We, again, we have Marina Walsh. representing them here today. We always stress the importance of getting signed up for the Mortgage Action Alliance. Every time we mention their sponsorship of the podcast, we're thrilled to have them. But it's most important that they're here to help you have your voice heard especially on the Hill. So folks, join Mortgage Action Alliance. You should join the MBA. but the good news is you do not have to be a member of the MBA to have your voice heard through the Mortgage Action Alliance. It's something that the NBA has set up and I recommend you download their app so that you can have your voice heard on the Hill. The NBA does a great job of representing us and our interests there. So please sign up for that. Also, very excited to have Finastra as a sponsor. Check out their Fusion Mortgage Bot product, as well as Lenders One and the Mortgage Collaborative. Both of these co ops help create competitive advantages for lenders and vendor members. Also, we're a part of the CMLA, Community Mortgage Lenders of America. Again, I love how these organizations work together the MBA, CMLA. The lenders one and the more collaborative. We're all working together to help you be more successful. Oh, by the way, in CMLA, we've got Michael Jones going to be coming on as our guest next week. i uh, so excited about that. Then we also have Indicom offers automated solutions. So go check out our recent podcast where we had Linda Bomar on as well as one of the executives talking about uh, RPA. August 31st. Robotic process automation and uh, also we talk about AI and what they're doing in that area. Again, let's accelerate. This company helps lenders close more loans by engaging more effectively with their prospects and customers. Also, we have Ainsworth Advisors. Again, we featured Ainsworth on our last podcast on Labor Day. Check out that Again, that's a Board of Advisory Service. It's one of my companies that I own, and I'm so thrilled to provide that as a service. Board of Advisory Service. It's formed as a Board of Directors, but it's a Board of Advisory Service. Also, Celebrity Home Loans growing rapidly through acquisitions, as well as Inovient. Uh, Ted Kramer and the team there do a great job of optimizing your executions. It's a business intelligence tool that you need to check out, as well as KnowledgeCube. They do a great job of helping you with a learning management system, as well as Mobility RE. As well as Modex, both of these companies help you identify who out there is the next best candidate for your company, allows you to get material, real live information on LOs and processors that you're recruiting in your company. So check them all out along with Vendorsurf, Velma, and Vidyard. Finally, also a special thank you goes to Alice, Andy, allen Matt and less for their contributions each and every week. So let's head over to this week's MBA Mortgage Minute with Rob Van Raphorst. Rob?
2: Hi, I'm Rob Van Rapphorst. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. On Friday, the Conference of State Bank Supervisors, Publicly released an August 25th letter to their member state financial service regulators. The letter urged them to extend any current guidance or no action positions allowing licensed mortgage loan originators to work from home rather than from a licensed location. Additionally, the non-depository supervisory committee Ask those state regulators who have not issued such a public notice to consider allowing MLOs and other licensed employees to work temporarily from safe, unlicensed locations or to adopt a no-action position given specific consumer protection criteria as defined in the letter. Also, last Tuesday, MBA filed comments responding to the CFPB's proposed rule to amend the general QM definition by replacing the debt-to-income ratio limit with a price-based approach. MBA expects the CFPB to issue a final rule by year's end. That's it for now. Thanks for joining me.
0: Good job, Rob Rapport. Appreciate the partnership with the MBA. Thank you, Rob. Good job. Check out all the information at the MBA website that provides so much good stuff. As far as what's going on in the industry, really appreciate the whole team, and specifically what Rob and that department does. Let's get over to Les Parker with the TM Spotlight in this week's macro view of the markets. Les. TM Spotlight Soundbite is brought to you by PowerSeller,
3: making hedging easy. In the market stands a boxer and a hedger by his trade, and he carries the reminder of every move that laid him down or cut him from the fallout. Who wins? The Fed's devaluation wish for the dollar or the EU's wishes for all its members to bow to their regulations? Rates remain low, but the bears recently took control. With high political risk, will the bulls recover? What market jab or hook will deliver a decisive blow? Orderly changes in currencies? Shifts in taxes? Spikes in inflation? Excessive use of corporate and sovereign debt? The news may change, but the hedger still remains. These views are my own. Go to tmspotlight.com to subscribe to my daily newsletter.
0: One of my favorite old songs brings me back to my college days. Yeah, I'm old. Yes, I was in college when that was out. It makes me old. Matt Graham here with MBS Live. Check it out, mbslive.net. Good to have you, friend. Appreciate you and your website. Gosh, this is good stuff. I got always on behind me. How's it going, dude? I mean, you constantly because I every time I do a Zoom call, you are on live. And they go, Hey, what's the markets? What's the ten doing? Can you see that?
4: I see that line going down. I'm happy to help. So let's get caught up with last week really briefly. It was basically a story of pushing back against some weakness that we had the week before that. We didn't get to talk about that because we didn't do a show last week. And yeah, at the time, the week before, we talked about being afraid or hoping that we would hold underneath a ceiling of 0.79 in 10-year treasury yields. And of course, it's not perfectly pertinent to mortgage rates given capacity constraints right now, but it still speaks to the overall volume and momentum in the bond market. And uh, we never even got close to 0.79. We spent the entirety of last week moving lower in yield and uh, never even broke over 0.73. So this means the range was extraordinarily narrow. It's been narrow in the bigger picture anyway, but now it's narrow even in the smaller picture. And so narrow that we're forced to question, Okay, we see markets and traders are taking their seats on the side of the street of a parade and they're waiting for some big show to come through. So what is it that they are circling the wagons for? And we will talk about that when we get to this week's data and this week's events. So Monday, today, nothing major going on. Then tomorrow, we do have industrial production at 9.15 a.m., not the biggest market mover. Skip Wednesday for a second. You might know where this is going already. Thursday, housing starts, building permits, expecting to see more growth there. And uh, Friday, consumer sentiment, not a big market mover. Oh, and should mention that the talk of the town last week and will be again this week uh, on MBS Live was the adverse market fee reintroduction. So a lot of my audience likes to know About locking versus floating. And the last three weeks said that is primarily a function of when your lender is bringing back that adverse market fee. And they're all over the board in terms of how they're bringing it back. Some are already applying it to every new lock. Others have said every new lock after such and such date. And others are doing it in a staged manner, more logically, I would say, uh, where we have your 60 day locks are going to have it right away, then 45 days will have it two weeks later and so on. So, people that are listening, if you're not up to speed on it, make sure you check with your and uh, see when that fee is coming back. It's a really big pricing consideration for your clients. Now, on to the big show for this week. It is drumroll. Les knows what's coming. It's the Fed. So, Fed announcement uh, this Wednesday at 2 p.m. And this could be a very big one. Maybe not in the bigger picture in terms of market movement, but in terms of Uh, the Fed shifting gears. And they already alluded to this three weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago with their inflation framework change. This really paved the way for them to do something new and different. Fed speeches in the interim have suggested the same. And just to refresh our memories, we talked about this last time, but that inflation framework change means that instead of targeting a 2% inflation level, They are willing to let it run hot, maybe up to 2.5%. And they're going to be slower to hike rates when it looks like inflation is rising to or above those levels. They have seen a disconnect between inflation and the labor market. And these are things they learned over the past few years. And making this framework change is going to allow them to come out much more aggressively this Wednesday. Uh, A couple of things we might see them do. The top two would be a forward guidance shift and a WHAM shift. I'll talk to you about what those mean. Forward guidance is just the Fed's reaction function. It's them saying, here's what we expect to be doing with monetary policy in the future. And so that forward guidance is probably going to get more qualitatively friendly in their verbiage. The WAM shift is weighted average maturity of their bond holdings, and it's just a way for them to add accommodation to be bond and rate friendly without actually spending additional money uh, by buying longer term debt, longer weighted average maturities. They could also do that by recharacterizing their bond buying from being about liquidity and smooth market functioning, and now instead calling it straight up accommodation. They alluded to that in a minutes last month. And they finally could actually, second to last, finally, they could announce additional bond buying or put some sort of calendar date on it, and that would be very impactful for the bond market. And last but not least, the tangent, we have the dot plot coming back, which is their summary of economic projections. And we've heard a few Fed speakers allude to the possibility that markets would have been surprised by this dot plot if it hadn't been for some of the job owning they've done to prepare the market for it. So what I think we're gonna see is probably. The average Fed member thinking rates are going to be low for several years. Many of them have already said this, but now it's going to be on the record. They're going to see economic growth low for several years. And it's it really has the potential to be a sweeping accommodative message from the Fed, which at first glance should be great for the bond market, but you never know how it's going to go on Fed Day. It could go seven different ways before it settles down. But that's the focus for this week. Good stuff. Good stuff. There's just so much
0: going on. I, I like what, just before we all got on went live, Marina Walsh said some things. We have so much to thank Powell for and uh, how he's handling this. So it's interesting. Good stuff. Matt, always appreciate your comments. Check out MBS Live, folks. You will not be disappointed. MBS live dot what? net, And enter LOL for Licking on Lending. Many people have chuckled about that. Enter on LOL in the sign up code. You will not, it'll extend your trial, a W trial period, and you won't be requiring a, a credit card. So sign up. You want to put in your credit card and you do want to sign up for the service. It's that good. It's excellent. Matt, thanks so much. Appreciate you being here each and every week, my friend. Thank you, Dave. Alice Alvey is here with us, MBS CMB, Vice President of Education and Training, Master CMB, I might add, but President, Vice President of Education and Training at Union Home Mortgage, and she's got this week's legislative update. Alice, how are you doing?
5: Hey, I'm well, thanks. And, uh, Dave, hi, everybody. Here's my quick update. Um, Rob Van course touched on something briefly that I want to make sure everybody caught, and that is the need and the pressure that's going on at the state level to really address loan officers' ability to work out of their home for the states that have a brick-and-mortar requirement, is what we would call it. Even if the state could simply say, we're not going to take action, that's all they need to say. We're not trying to say, go change your laws. But for now, there needs to be another patch to make sure that loan officers and their staff can be safe working from home, which works out just great, we've all found. Those of you who are in a brick-and-mortar state, to really get behind and and pressure your state organization to make sure that they're going to issue a no action position. Some of the states have, but not all of them have. Some of them are coming up for expiration. So for those of you in a brick and mortar state, you want to watch that closely and make sure you're using your advocacy to to make sure that keeps moving forward and keeps you protected. Another thing that I want to make sure everybody's aware of is the CFPB needs to do something before the end of the year for the conservatorship that Fannie and Freddie don't have right now and the fact that we need to solve for QM. So if you remember 10 years ago when the law came out, we said in 10 years, the GSEs will either be out of conservatorship or we'll have to address uh, the definition of a qualified mortgage for the fact that if you get a DU and LP approval that the borrower is automatically considered in a QM position and the loan is considered a qualified mortgage. Uh, so now that we're coming up on that January 10th of 2021 deadline that we all thought was eons away, uh, they are going to have to do something. So we'll watch this closely for you uh, that we do need to get that definition adjusted. As the simplest thing is to just extend it to, well, whenever the Sandy and Freddie do exit conservatorship. So that is uh, one thing. Last but not least, I do want to make sure it is a, you all take a chance to read the MBA general QM loan definition response, the comment period is closed for what does the new QM look like? Uh, when the CFPB was asking about this, that closed on September 8th while we were all off. And But the MBA wrote a really interesting piece. They really detailed some of the other position statements that have been made about why a 43 DTI does not make sense. I think a lot of people go, I'm on board, get rid of the DTI and just give me an APR to work with. But in looking through their 22-page response or something like that. I really think it's great reading for those of you who really want to understand more about this issue so that you can sell better. I think originators could benefit from understanding this as well because it's real easy to say, hey, just let us do a 50 DTI, but that really would make our lives much more complicated. So let's just go with an APR. So we'll see what happens. We'll watch that for you also, Dave. So those are our three things for today. I'll kick it back to you.
0: Good. Can't wait to have you participate in the discussion with marina here just shortly alan pollack good to have you here with us today as always hey alan did you catch that jonathan core is retiring from ellie may so acquisition uh, uh, he's got some big news now there is some other big acquisition news i thought we could announce it today everybody but i heard from the president of another major company who's a good friend of mine called me yesterday and uh we're going to have to hold on that news because I'm going to tease you off of that. So should be coming out tomorrow. You'll be hearing about some more acquisitions. There's a lot going on, Alan. What you got for us
1: today, Fred? There is. What a great time to be in mortgage financing. There is so much. Yeah. And I think I said a couple of weeks ago, I, I feel like there are some big moves being made. We've seen a couple of big ones this year. We're going to continue to see it. As we know, the, the pandemic pandemic has pushed so many people to go digital or to further their digital plans. And that's some of the things we're going to talk about today. So let's just get right to it. One thing I do want to mention real quick, though, is for anyone that's been following Amazon, their drone delivery, a couple of weeks ago, they were finally cleared by the FDA. So they now have to put a plan together. It still has to be That plan has to be approved. But the FDA has approved the initial plan. To airdrop packages, which is really interesting, and has nothing to do maybe with mortgage specifically, but it has everything to do with just technology and automation and AI and just us adopting more further technology. So very cool on that. David, there's a company out there, and I, I mentioned this company named called Orchard. Uh, They just raised $69 million in their Series C. And the reason I mention this is because we keep talking about the same technology, right? Certain point-of-sale things, uh, digital closing, right? All the things we need to talk about. Blockchain's continuing to heat up. But this is a company, they operate as a broker. They have multiple products. The first one they call Move First, which takes the traditional real estate transaction and allows customers to purchase their next home and move in before they've sold their current one. They also have a different product that integrates digital closing services to the real estate transaction, taking away all the stressful parts. And they also introduced an innovative online home discovery product called Orchard Home Loans. So just think about that. They have all these tools on the real estate side and they just raised a series C, $69 million. So there is a lot of cool stuff going on. We're going to continue to find ways to talk to the consumer. That's what we do. That's what we're here for. PwC, by the way, Every year they put out these fantastic surveys. They just did one. It, it was an exclusive consumer study. They had 1,620 recent and prospective borrowers in this study. They did a statistical analysis. Of course they did. Uh, but anyways, what they found is that lenders who offer high digital quality tools have higher customer satisfaction. We've heard this before, but they listed with the 6R. So 1,620 people all said scheduling and communication tools, mortgage affordability tools, Loan status portal, saving and planning tools for mortgage specifically, educational tools for mortgage specifically, and an application and document submission portal. So those are the six things that okay. PwC said. I think we all knew this, right? That's where we're all been yeah. focusing, but I thought it would be great to mention. The other thing I want to bring up today, David, the financial brand. We've talked about some of their stuff in the past. They do great content online. They do a lot of surveys and such. They just went through this nice big article It talks about the ability to apply for a home loan has increased, but the banking industry isn't keeping up with consumers' expectations. And why is it so important? Because we have so many listeners on our podcast today that are banks, credit unions, financial institutions, and you are tied down hard to existing technology and you haven't been able to improve and make those next steps. It is so absolutely important. So I wanted to cover one thing, low tech how to make big gains in customer engagement with existing technology. And I'm going to say just one thing today. Next week, we'll expand upon that. But one thing I want to say is making phone calls and contacting your borrower, make the human connection and talk to them. It doesn't matter what kind of technology you have. That's the highest tech thing you can do. Looking forward to our hot topic guest and our conversation. And then we'll talk to everyone again next week. Yeah, I'm interested in what Marina has about
0: technology. That's an interesting survey that, rice Waterhouse did so very interesting thanks for bringing that up and we'll if you send over a link we'll put that in the show notes so people can actually go Sounds and good. check it out. yeah thanks thanks appreciate it so much andy shell the prophet doctor dr andy shell the prophet doctor now that he's got his full first phd working on a second phd what an overachiever so we have doctor here with us cmb one of the you know you can go over your doctors but we got to really stress the CMB. It's such a great program. And now having gone through the education, boy, I can sign up for that and push that out for everybody. Such a big
3: Yes, Dave. So that's why on my business card, the, name, the letters after my name are longer than my name itself. But I actually ignore all that when people ask me about it and they say, well, what, how should we reference you? And I said, well, actually, my favorite title is Grandpa. Don't worry about Dr. Shell. Just call me Grandpa. So I spent the weekend with my granddaughter, brand new baby, just born last uh, Thursday, morning, early. So we got to keep my grandson overnight. That was fun. So we're excited. So I got to hold my granddaughter this weekend, and I wrote a liquidity policy for a bank.
0: You wrote a liquidity policy for a bank while holding your granddaughter.
3: Perfect. Yes, exactly right. So the, the thing about this liquidity policy is it identifies how to not run out of money. Now, so we're going to make it so we We don't have any failed payrolls or have any failed margin calls or have any failed loan funding events. So what's funny to me about this is that here this FDIC bank that that has access to the federal home loan bank system, needs a liquidity policy. But when you ask independent mortgage companies about a liquidity policy, their eyes roll back and said, we've got more volume. But you think about 2008, you and I went around the country looking for warehouse lines. 2008, 2009, trying to get anybody to lend money to a mortgage company. So we had significant funding risk in 2008. And then as Maria mentioned earlier, we had margin compression in early 18, where we were losing money. People were losing money on every loan and hoping to make it up with volume. And then we, we had these big economic transition that occurred. And now we've been making crazy money, So except for the MBS rally that led us to margin call risk. But 2020 is going to be probably one of the highest margin, highest volume years on record. So here's what my grandfather used to say to me. He goes, Andy, you got to make hay when the sun is shining because you never know what will happen next. So this ties back to a liquidity policy, believe it or not, because we need to be responsible with preserving our capital now that we've got a good year. We're grateful to Powell and all the reasons that led to the macroeconomic events that allowed us to be successful. But mortgage lending is the tail wagged by the economic dog. Macroeconomic factors drive mortgage lending. Rates up, volume down, margin compression hits, home sales down, volume down, price risk, volume rates down, volume up, capacity challenges, but profit up like we're experiencing right now. So now's the time to build cash reserves. For 2021, 2022, and there's a bunch of pieces that fit together to make this work. I've got a long list of stuff to talk about the things that cause liquidity pain, the way to manage liquidity dynamics, the way to look forward to predict what happens next. And I'll be talking about that over the next several weeks. So we can have talk about how to measure all this stuff, how to have enough cushion, how do you what to do with your cushion. Don't just leave it in the bank. We're going to start self-funding some of our loans. We're going to talk about all this, but one side note I wanted to make yeah. about this amazing year we're having. Now, this amazing year we're having is going to be reported on the NMLS report. The NMLS report includes information about volume and income for all originators. We're, I was on the phone with a, with the president of a mortgage company last week, and they've lots of folks that are in seven figures. Some folks that are going to hit eight figures. We're going to have LOs making eight figures. In 2020. In the midst of all, that's going to be reported to the Department of Labor via the the last report. What then happens then when someone reviews PPP funds? So we had record-breaking profit, record-breaking margin. Oh, by the way, we got free money from the government. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm just saying don't spend it. Save that PPP money. Apply for the forgiveness. Follow all the rules, but don't assume the questions are over because I think they're actually just starting. But anyway, that's just my opinion alone. That's Dr. Shell, the proper doctor that is not looking on lending or anybody else associated with it. That's what I think.
0: I agree with you 100%. I think people that have this, take it the PPP, have done so sometimes I think at their own peril as money has been made. That's not to say you shouldn't be careful on it. That's all right. With words of wisdom, And Andy, Andy Shell, thank you so much. Can't wait.
3: Oh, perfect, Dave. Yeah, we, I was gonna okay. say, we got two acronyms created in 2020, PPP and PPE, both PPP. created in 2020. How about that?
0: No, it's been a year like no other year, I got to tell you. So anyway, thank you so much, Andy Shell being here for the since the beginning as well as Alice and everybody who's been here for so long as listeners thank you so much now this wraps up this week's weekly update on what's going on in the market for next week, we've got Mike coming on of the CMLA. Very excited to have him. Michael uh, Jones, uh, of CFO of Thrive Mortgage. We're going to be talking to about what some of their focus is, what they're looking at. Love how these agencies work together. Special thank you to all of our sponsors. Uh, Finastra, CMLA, MBA, Indicom, Accelerate, and with Advisors, uh, Mobility RD, Modex, and all the others. Check them out on our sponsorship page. Appreciate you being here, everyone. Have a great week. And look to Forward to having you back here next week.
1: You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week and thanks for listening.